Hello, people, and welcome to episode two of Is a Hot Dog a Sandwich? I'm here, myself, Ethan, and I'm with the most special man in the world, Jed in the house. So last week, we spoke about mullets, for or against. Are they a cultural classic or a fashion faux pas? Bars. (laughs) (laughs) We also spoke about praising companies or supermarkets for reducing their plastic waste and whether we should uh, form a communal or soloist society. Mm -hmm. Um, It's been an interesting read. It's been interesting to hear what you guys have been saying. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're going to get into it now. So let's run through today's topics. The first topic is royalty. Do we need them? One side yes, one side no. Only the dice will show. Let's go. Let's go. One. So Jed, you are arguing against. Oh! We don't need them today. That's what you're saying. Oh God damn! Okay, okay, okay. okay. Let's go to our philosophical topic. Let's get deep with it. Are we in a simulation? Ooh. Yes or no? Number one is yes. Number two is no. Okay. It's a one. So you're saying yes? We're in a simulation. Ooh! Me and Elon, we got this one. We got you're this one. Matrix. <laughs> you better put your glasses on because you're about to be Neo today. I'm taking a red pill. Let's go. Finally, our fun topic of the week of the day is a hot dog, a sandwich. This one's gonna be heated, you know. It's gonna be heated. Yes, you know, sir. You're putting a spicy red like on that the, hot dog, a sandwich that you're talking. About. <laughs> okay, let me roll the dice. It's a two, which means that you are saying a hot dog. Is a sandwich. Okay, okay. Might be my favourite sandwich out there. How you feel about that one? Bro, you know what? I don't eat pork, so this is going to be a vegan hot dog sandwich that I'm going to be presenting to you guys today. Bro, you better keep that argument halal <laughs> and polite, and we'll catch you guys on the flip side. Half an hour starts now. And we are back Ooh. after our half an hour. How are you feeling, Jed? Bro, I'm feeling good. This one, this, I feel like this episode, I don't have as much information sounds scared sounds scared there's nothing to be scared of we're all just pixels so i'm fine i'm just a bit of code i have no no keep it to the one minute play play. you can't be influencing them already you know what you know what before you say any other words right now i'm gonna get started so today we're starting with is a hot dog a sandwich and i am arguing against i'm saying a hot dog is not a sandwich my time starts now a hot dog is a singular piece of bread. When have you ever seen a sandwich as a singular piece of bread? I would argue that a hot dog is more of a wrap, a sausage roll, or a taco <laughs> than it is a sandwich. When you go to the shop you and you ask for a burger, you don't ask for a beef sandwich. If you think of a beef sandwich, you think of a roast. You might have a bit of cranberry sauce, some leaves of some kind. You don't think of a burger. If you go to a shop and you ask for a beef sandwich and you get a beef sandwich, it will never look like a burger. If you go to the shop and ask for a sausage sandwich, that is gonna come with ketchup and chips on the side, not relish and mustard. (laughs) A sandwich is about bread. A hot dog has never been described as the best thing since sliced bread. (laughs) You never picture a hot dog. A 
hot dog is a bun. A burger is a bun. A hot dog has exceeded the definition of a sandwich and has found its own niche. We shouldn't put hot dogs in a box. Unless you're trying to eat them. <laughs> a hot dog is not a sandwich. That's time. Okay, that was nice. That was real nice. That was real, real nice. I'm, uh, you know, I'm not even saying too much. Can I, please, can I, can I get my time? The time starts now. So, this is the problem here. I got Marion Webster's definition of a sandwich. I got it rolled up. I got, that's the first thing that came up. When I Googled, is a hot dog a sandwich? Marion Webster, the authority on the definition of words, the thing, the, the bastion on which we hold the English language, right, says, the definition of a sandwich is two or more slices of bread or a split roll having a filling in between. Marion Webster said it is a split roll. It doesn't say a completely split roll, it just says split, which means opened up with the stuff inside. So that's one, that's it right there. Marion Webster told us what it is. We can say nif naf dish dash, it's not none of that. <laughs> now my next question, and I just want you to answer this with one word. When you say you're going to go get a Subway, what are you getting? I'm getting a long bread baguette. <laughs> <laughs> That's a baguette right there. A baguette is a form of sandwich. It's a French sandwich. So, in my, in my opinion, a Subway... No, in, in the world's opinion, a Subway is a sandwich. A Subway is exactly the same form of thing, situation. It's a half-split piece of bread. Not all Subways are split all the way down the side, but we still consider them sandwiches. Why are we segregating hot dogs when Subways are allowed all the way through? Let's not do this. Let's end segregation of hot dogs. Let's end segregation of hot dogs from the sandwich community. I can't believe it. Finally, the highest rated hot dog in America is the Chicago dog, which comes with beef, peppers, mustard, relish, tomato, onion, celery, salt, and pickle. That in itself is sandwich fillings time done. Oh, my heart is racing. My heart is absolutely racing from that one. In the typical J-Swag fashion, <laughs> ending at 10,000 miles an hour. <laughs> you made some interesting points there. You made some interesting points. Um, I'm going to go straight into my rebuttal because okay. I made a few notes and I'm ready to go. I'm going to buy it up. That's okay. my minute started. Let's go. So you spoke about Miriam Webster's dictionary. Yeah. You said Merriam-Webster's Dictionary is the pinnacle of British language. Yeah, it's an American dictionary. Okay. Let's talk about Oxford. <laughs> Oxford has a very different definition. And I'm going to leave that to the thoughts of our listeners today. Okay. Are we really trusting American dictionaries? Further, let me tell you a story. Back in the day, a German called Charles Feltman came to America and started selling hot dogs. He called them Frankfurter sandwiches. And you may think, oh, this is bolstering my point. He's, he's doing my job for me. <laughs> yes, sir. This is an Ameri a German person who cannot speak English. He's using the words that he believes fits his definition best <laughs> rather than the actual words, which is a hot dog. The British Sandwich Association, along with the National Hot Dog and Sausage Council, that is American, have defined a hot dog explicitly as not a sandwich. A hot dog is vertical, not horizontal. You never see... A sandwich, <laughs> vertical. Done. <laughs> that was nice. That was that was very very nice. That's very very nice. Um, can I get my time, please? Can I get my time? Whenever you're ready, sir. Let's get it. Okay. First of all, don't talk to me about the orientation of sandwiches. Directions, horizontal, vertical. It goes in the direction it wants to go in. I'm sorry. A hot dog can identify its orientation the way it wants to. Let's stop putting it in a box. You've done it twice now. You first of all disregarded it as a sandwich. Now you're telling us it's vertical, not horizontal. I will not stand for this bigotry against 
the hot dog sandwich that we live and breathe and eat today. It's outrageous behavior. Secondly, when I, just an interesting thing. When I, the first thing when I Googled is hot dog a sandwich came up with what, one of the things you said, and it said, is hot, dog a, hot dogs a taco? And in my opinion, the fact that that is even considered in the same question shows how outrageous and outlandish this situation can be. The fact that people can even think and Google is hot dog a taco is ridiculous. And it shows that this whole argument is off the chain hook. We are not, we have been brainwashed. It's outrageous. The last thing I'm gonna leave it with is when Matt Ryan, the quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons was asked if hot dogs were a sandwich, he said no. And I disagree with every single thing that man says. That was a very, very interesting point. Um, maybe some of the Mexicans will, will give us a bit of clarity over whether a taco, a hot dog can be a taco or not. They've probably got something to say. Uh, shout out to the Mexican gang in the building. Yes, sir. Okay, how do you feel about that one? You know what? I didn't realise I was as passionate. <laughs> for somebody who doesn't even eat pork and you know almost always the main ingredient of a hot dog is pork i really i really felt i, f- I was back in back in my guys back in my hot dog brethren so yeah I, f- I feel i feel emotional okay so you mentioned about 50 fillings that you're putting in a hot dog what yeah. are you putting in your ideal hot dog first that's an incredible question uh for me what i'm putting in my hot dog it's got to be it's got to be a vegan sausage then it's got to be some nice ketchup you know we need that ketchup in there, some butter, because I like when butter and ketchup comes together. I also like when butter melts mm. on on on, uh, on from heat, and and you know what? Maybe a little bit of vegan cheese on top, and that's it. Just a, just a simple little little bit of meat, you know, vegan meat, little bit of uh, cheese, vegan cheese, and uh, and ketchup. Just for simple flavors. What about yourself? See, I don't I don't eat hot dogs. I'm and I'm so anti hot dog that I don't even touch them. I won't even lay a finger on them. They can't be part of my sandwich crew. What are you talking about? We had toasties the other day, so clearly you like sandwiches. Sandwiches. Exactly. Not... <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave that for another day. Let's go on to our next topic. Jed, tell the people what the topic is. So the next topic is: Are we in a simulation? Now, this one for me is so interesting. I genuinely think we could have probably focused on this one for for an hour the conversation that i think we're about to have is going to be incredible ridiculous uh, i don't i don't actually have enough words to describe how excited i am for, for this one how are you feeling about this one i'm feeling i'm feeling good um reading this reading about this as just said is incredibly interesting uh, i go into a nice flow mm-hmm. i start getting into physics i, I started going already i dug down into the deepest rabbit hole possible to find the most fire information. Wow. I want to pass it on to you because you're starting off on this one. Yeah, I'm four. Are you ready to go? Oh, yeah, 100% am. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm excited. Give me, give me my countdown. Okay, three, two, one. Okay, so I'm going to start off talking about an uh, experiment done by the Wiseman Institute of Science in 1998. And they were studying microelectrons and how they pass through, I think it's bronze or copper. I can't 100% remember now, but I've got it here. What they discovered was, when microelectrons weren't being watched, they behaved as waves. And they knew that they behaved as waves because of other forms of detection that they can use to to understand the behavior of these microelectrons. But when a human being, when a human being was watching these microelectrons, they behaved as particles. So when they weren't being watched, they behaved as waves, and when they were being watched, they behaved as particles. They behaved differently depending on if they were being watched or not. This in itself is, first of all, incredible, that just the the observation process changes the way something can behave is incredible. 
second of all, it in my mind irrefutably proves that the universe, that the universe or our operating system is saving memory and energy by having things behave in a certain way when we're not watching them to save the energy, right? So I think that's absolutely incredible. Another thing that I think proves this argument that we're in a simulation is the Mandela effect. Some people remember Nelson Mandela dying in the 80s when actually we found out that he died in 2013. Some people say this is proof that the person playing the game that we're currently living in changed the saved data. They changed history. And those are two points for us living in a simulation. Oh, I wanted to say so much more. I wanted to say so much more, but but that first experiment is so wordy. I had to get it out, but yeah, I won't well, you, you got another minute in a, in a mm-hmm. couple. Um, some very interesting points. I can't believe you used chemistry against me. <laughs> um, take, give me flashbacks to last time. I can't make you tea no more either. <laughs> I want to start with my minute 30. Um, so, interesting. It's a very, very interesting points that you made uh, around physics and chemistry. Um, that same argument, you could say electrons have feelings. Electronic electrons are people. When I step onto a football field and I know someone's watching, I behave in a completely different way. So maybe I'm an electron, just as you are an electron, and everyone else in this world is an electron. Why can't electrons have feelings? <laughs> I did some research about the Mandela effect as well. Oh no! And that that's it's really interesting that you say that. Some people think he died in the eighties. What did the eighties not have that we have now? access to free and easily accessible information. Mm-hmm. What, Nelson Mandela was in prison for how long? 27 years? A long, mm-hmm. a long, long time. Um, around a, a bomb plot, a bomb conspiracy. It's entirely feasible to think that people through uh, whispers received information to say that Mandela died in this bomb plot and he didn't, as we all know. Mm-hmm. He lived to 2013. So there's nothing but conspiracy theory which we see on the internet and I'm glad that you made those points because you served it up for me just like <laughs> people have also made the argument that climate change uh, is an example of why we live in a simulation because they indicate that the programmers that control us um, change the environment because they know we're getting closer to making a simulation of our own if you believe that you might as well join a big orange man <laughs> that's fine that was, that, yeah, that was intriguing. That was very, very intriguing. I don't know how you just shut down my Mandela effect argument. That was 50% of, of what I spoke about. You just disregarded it. That's rude. This man is disrespectful. But you know what? I'm going to get him back. So please, can I have that 30 seconds? So are you. First of all, everybody's played The Sims, right? We've all played The Sims. We can all pretty much run sustainable housing in societies currently in the world that we're in. We started off with Pong over 40, 50 years ago now. We're up to Grand Theft Auto. We're up to games like Destiny that have universes in with people in. Imagine what's going to happen in 40, 50 years. Now imagine what we can do in a thousand years. There are three possibilities from the way we're going with technology. One, we go extinct before we get to the point of making human simulation. Two, we are able to make human simulation, but we just don't want to. Or three, the most likely option, we are able to make human simulation and we do. And if there's the possibility that we are going to get to that point, there is even more possibility that that has already happened. The final thing I'm going to say, two things. Elon Musk has quoted, we're probably living in a simulation. This man tweeted Bitcoin and everyone bought it. Clearly, he's on to something, right? The final thing I want to say, in the Matrix, there's a person called the One, Neo. He's the most amazing, incredible human being on Earth and he's proof of the Matrix. Well, I know the One. It's you. You're the One. You're the most incredible person I know and proof that we are living in a simulation. Time. That was the hottest minute I've heard in a while. That was fantastic, Jed. I've got to give props where it's due. 
And that was a hot boy minute, hot summer coming. Let's go. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. Yeah. I, I feel composed. I feel, I've got it together okay, right Okay, let's hear this. Let's hear this. This is my minute. Okay, let's bring it back to science. You know, science is a very comfortable zone. Yes, sir. Uh, there was a study in 2017 um, in which a group of physicists got together to run a series of stimulations. Okay. Calculations. Mm-hmm. Propagations. Hey. I'm just writing here. That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> um, about whether we live in a simulation and what it would take for people to create a simulation. Now, they estimated that it would take one terabyte of RAM, random access memory, to store 20 spins of a single particle in a given universe. Therefore, the a number of atoms in order to make up com- a computer that could simulate this universe is more than the atoms in this current universe right now. Wow. Now that's mind blowing because we don't even have a, a concept of how many atoms there are in a universe. Yeah. I'm just gonna leave you lot to think on that. That in itself is incredible. That point in itself, just, just to understand that the scope of which it would take to replicate what we exist in is takes that takes something that's unimaginable, unobtainable, fantastic. It's an incredible piece of piece of almost it's theoretical science is all of what it is and it's and it's fantastic it's beautiful uh and we could get we can dig down this hole for for hours and hours and hours we could but do you know what i want to do go on i want to put it out there to our viewers yeah. to our listeners yep what do you think do we, do we live in a simulation yeah are we all bots am i an npc i did walk into the water the other day so i might be an npc there's that no, might have been a low memory moment there's no way you could be an npc bro i just said you're the one you are neo you're the savior you are the messianic character that brings us out of the out of this simulation bro no way, but actually, you know what, on that topic of simulations, I want to know what is your favourite simulation. And by simulation, I'm just going to say, what's your favourite video game, bro? Oh, my favourite video game of all time or right now? All time. <sighs> all time. Okay, you know what, no, this one is an easy one for me. This is Final Fantasy X. Oh, wow. This is an RPG. I'm not into RPGs whatsoever. Yeah. I don't have a history of RPGs except for Kingdom Hearts. Shout out to that game. If you know, you know. Shout out to Ebbs if he's listening today. <laughs> Um, Final Fantasy X is an amazingly constructed game. It's a universe that I could see myself living in. Okay. If we were in a simulation, that's the simulation that I'd love to live in. Shout out to Tidus, Oran with the big sword swinging through. Yeah. What about you, Jay? Oh, that's a great question. And I know this answer off, off straight away. It's, it's the game that stole my heart. Like the game that I got more invested in than any other game. And that's Assassin's Creed 2. Running around Rome and all of these incredible places, breaking into the Vatican, finding secret things that go on. That's a simulation game as well. That's a game where you're running around and there are people just living, uh, walking into walls and corners, like you said, so so much so before. So I think a bit similar to you, actually, no, very dissimilar to you. I would not want to live in Assassin's Creed because that place is cutthroat, literally. Like, it's not safe in those streets, um, but it definitely was a game that stole my heart. I'm glad that you brought up Assassin's Creed because it, it poses the next question that we, that we might want to consider debating. If you knew that you were in a simulation, would your behaviour change? That's an incredible question. And I think something we might come to later on in this series. Okay, our next and final topic of the podcast. Ooh! Royalty, do we need them? There's been a lot of heated debate in the last few weeks surrounding Meghan Markle, Harry and the rest of the royal family. Mm-hmm. Today we're going to be talking about the royal, to, royal family in their history. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about whether they deserve to be part of our society mm-hmm. and their value or perceived lack of value. Yep. 
like uh, like Rihanna said, royalty, royalty, royalty. <laughs> uh, bro, I think I think it's I think it's, it's you. It's time. Okay, I think so. I'll be arguing today for the royal family. You I'm going to kick off with my minute thirty. Let's go. The first thing I would like to talk about, and it's a pretty obvious one here, is money. Mm-hmm. So it was estimated that the royal family between at any point in the last 10 years have brought in between 550 to 1.8 550 million to 1.8 billion pounds of revenue per year in addition to that there is an estimated impact on our trade deals of 150 million taxpayers pay about 82 million per year so on that basis as a as a minimum the royals are providing us with 472, 470 million pounds of additional revenue a year that we wouldn't have if they didn't exist. The royals have always stood for and represented our nation. They are in place to be the exemplar humans of what it is to be British. The Queen's English is the most clear and concise version of English that there can be. Royals provide a morale boost to society. Think of Charles and Diana. Think of the royal weddings. Think about people turning out in their thousands to celebrate life. I'm going to keep that to my time. I've got some more points, but I'm going to let you... I'm going to let that one run. Okay, okay, okay. That was interesting. That was really interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm, you know what? I'm just ready to, I'm just ready to run, run, right at this, run right at this thing. Run right at this thing. Okay. So you said, you said... My well, time started. So you said, you know, they're supposed to be the exemplars of how we live in society, right? They're supposed to be the, the, the upper echelons of human character. And on royal.com, which is, a, which is a, a funded site from the royalty, it says, the purpose of the monarchy is to act as a focus of national identity, unity, and pride. We literally heard this week in an interview from Meghan Markle and the wonderful Harry, that they're both wonderful, by the way, uh, that the concerns of the child being born Archie was potentially to do with their skin colour, that they felt unsafe simply because this woman was not a solely white woman. Uh, We also have heard of other things involving potential children and problems with other members of that family. I'm not going to get into it because that's something that we don't want to talk about here. But if they are supposed to represent national identity, if they're supposed to be the upper echelons of character, how can these things even be brought into play? How can these things even be brought into, into... the characterization of these these human beings they should represent that they're not representing that and therefore they shouldn't exist in that space secondly if we really only care about money if we let money be the dictator of how we exist and who should exist in, in this in this world we really should be in assimilation because this life isn't worth living i don't want to be i don't want to have a soul if the only thing that matters is money uh, and the last thing i'm going to say on this point is both david barry and skepta and benjamin zephaniah turned down getting mbes that's royal honors benjamin zephaniah was quoted saying no way mr blair no way, Mrs. Queen. I am profoundly anti-empire. An interesting minute covering the flaws of the royal family, the true and perceived value of money, finishing strong with both David Bowie and Benjamin Zephaniah. And Skepta. And Skepta. Shout out to Benjamin Zephaniah. I met him when I was young and he's an amazing poet and also a fantastic actor in the Peaky Blinders. He's got me. I didn't know he was in that, first of all. Second of all, 
I did not know you met Benjamin Zephaniah. That's incredible. I feel like you might have told me that before, but that's incredible. Benjamin Zephaniah is one of my favorite people. And if we ever were to, to create a monarchy, I would like Benjamin Zephaniah to be in that monarchy somewhere somehow. You know what? That's something that we can both agree on today. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go into my minute. Here we go. So we spoke about money. Mm-hmm. Money can do a number of things for society. Money can bolster the poor. Money can support people in need. I want to add to that topic. In terms of charity, there are 3,000 named organisations that have a member of the royal family as their named sponsor, chair, donator, or frequent guest. The Queen, the Prince's Trust, which has supported myself and potentially also yourself in a number of endeavours mm-hmm. and activities, mm-hmm. enabling us to grow is a fantastic thing. Throughout the war, the royals gave us a sense of human continuity. When times were tough, they were there. They bolstered our democracy, and seven of the top 10 countries in the world for quality of life have a constitutional monarchy time. Oh, the timing on that was so succinct. It was so clean. It was professional. It is the way in which potentially our monarchy should act, because that was exactly what excellence looks like that was incredible I, oh i'm not ready for this one i don't know i don't know if i've got this one in the bag i'm gonna have to pull out the big guns uh, please give me my minute sir good luck okay cool so let's just bring it back to money real quick because you know that that's that and I'll, I'll move on from it very quickly last year the monarchy cost every single individual one pound 24 one pound 24 i can buy a couple freddo bars a couple chocolate bars i can buy a bottle of water some sweets if these, if these people bring in all of this money for us, why should we pay a penny to support them? If they bring in more money than we spend anyway, it doesn't make any sense to me. I'd rather spend that £1.24 on a can of Coke. So let me have my Coke and not worry about Prince's Trust. See them ones there. Also, shout out to Prince's Trust. It actually has benefited, I think, a few people I know. So shout out to the Prince's Trust. The, I'm just going to leave this image, right? And this is going to be my, the last thing I say as far as a debate today with 20 seconds to go on the clock. You roll up Pall Mall or you roll into, into, into the Royal Parks, right? You're on that massive, massive road leading up to, in, leading up to the, the black gates with the white, the white uh, walls. And you get to it. And instead of seeing a closed gate and royals, you see a big Tesco. That's what we need in the Buckingham Palace. Let's go. <laughs> uh, I'm glad I know how you feel about big Tesco. We'll be going there tomorrow. Yes, sir. <laughs> What would you get if the, if the if Buckingham Palace was a royal, a big Tesco? Yeah. What would you expect to see on the shelves? What would I expect to see on the shelves? Hot cross buns. Hundred percent. That is a, that is a national institution. We should protect hot cross buns as whatever we can. Potentially, that should be the food of the royals. Um, and I would. Other than that, I think I'd probably just go for uh, for a can of coke and, and and maybe a Tesco meal deal. That's that's probably the best thing to get from it. What about you? So in this Tesco meal deal, yeah. I'm thinking of the shelves. We got wraps. We got sandwiches. So hot dog. But I never, I never damn saw a hot dog one time in my life in a Tesco meal deal. Um, as you can see, I'm still stuck on that topic. That's the first topic of the day. Um, if I was on a serious note, yeah. Um, if I, I run up there, big Tesco, big palace, golden gates, I'd expect to see something golden. Yeah. Maybe like a, you know the Easter eggs. You know, oh, the yeah. chocolate, the yeah. chocolate Easter eggs yeah, yeah, yeah. in like some nice gold foil or Ooh. something like that Ooh. with some flavours or Ferrero Rocher. Ooh. I don't even like Ferrero Rocher like that, but I feel like it, it has to, it has to fit the theme of the building. It's a very regal chocolate, I think. Yeah. Um, see, I was, I was thinking more of the, uh, the golden whisper 
you do remember the whiskey <laughs> boy. So, uh, so it shows the difference in in uh, in quality of, of food that me me and Ethan share today. I go for the cheap. Ethan goes for the elegant, and I love to see it. Um, yeah, that was that was incredible. That was incredible. Uh, how are you feeling? I'm feeling great. Yeah, these always get me so fired up. Yeah, um, I had a fantastic week. Uh, I'm ready to I'm ready to do the next podcast right now. We can <laughs> we can keep just rolling. Yes, yeah, so we'll keep on going and keep <laughs> flowing. Um, but I think this is a good point to wrap up here. We spoke about is a hot dog a sandwich? We heard arguments for, i.e., Miriam Webster mm-hmm. defined hot dog as a sandwich. Mm-hmm. We heard the toppings. We heard the subway argument. Yep. We also heard against the British Sandwich Association. Bundos, guys. The sausage sandwich versus the hot dog. Mm-hmm. Are we in a simulation? Am I a bunch of pixels? Did someone write me into their computer, press enter, and walk out of the house for a day? Maybe. What do you think? Maybe, bro. I, 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 that was the one that definitely interested me the most and fascinated me the most. And I think, I think we, we didn't even scratch the surface on what that could be. There, like, looking back on my notes, there was about eight things I did not say. So I'm very excited about that. And more important, importantly, I want to know what the people think about that one. You mentioned it before. I would love to think, uh, to know what people are talking about in that one. And our final topic of the day was royalty. Can a family so deeply flawed as the one that we have be a true representation of our society today? Yeah, that's a great question. And if not, who do we think could be in our British royal family? I think that's something that I would love to hear from you guys, that we would love to hear from all of you, is if we could vote, if we could bring, democratise the process of our monarchy, who would be in our royal family? Who would represent the the, the British and, and the finest of our, that we have to offer? Boom, that's time. Thank you very much for joining us today. I hope you have a great day, a great week, and a great year. Peace.